Welcome to the Brave New Workforce. I'm here with my co-host Trip Odell and Anna Codina. How are you guys doing today? Hi, I'm good. Where in the world are you today, Trip? I have no I video, am, no visuals. I, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I've decided to be the mysterious one this week, Anna. Oh. Now, I am. I am in Bozeman, Montana, uh, about. 30% of the way across country to Pennsylvania, where my family and I are moving. We've left Seattle. Uh, we've packed up everything in, with a plunger and two pods, and, and uh, we're, we're just waiting. We're just, we're sort of between, between things right now. We're between the coasts. So are you telling me that you do not have your fancy pants equipment in that little, uh, little car of yours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's your boom mic? My boom mic, I couldn't fit it and the dog, who is being very good. He's sitting behind me. I am sitting in a truck stop parking lot uh, in Bozeman, Montana, uh, with the hotspot on my phone, with the laptop open. So, Do they ahead. happen to have truck stop sushi there? Are you going to pick I'm up some I'm sure food? they do, but in, <laughs> in, I, in the middle of Montana, after Sturgis and the COVID outbreak, I am in and out. Uh, you know, it is... Uh, <laughs> It's a little crazy. They need some five G up in here because it is it, the network is a little janky. Wow, five G! You guys are up at five G. I'm still on three G, and I think Costa Rica has like four G. You should so. get on a We're tank and go wire that there. stuff up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, w- I was just going to say, let's take a moment to appreciate the fact that we are recording a podcast and Trip is in a vehicle in the middle of Montana on his phone with a hotspot <laughs> and we're making it work. So please, please don't tell me, folks listening, that you can't make remote work work when Trip's sitting in a car at a truck stop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Like the, the worst part, actually, of all of this is that I'm a fly fisherman. You guys know that. I've got my gear in the back, but it's all packed in my bags and driving across northern Idaho in Montana. It's oh, like no. a special kind of hell. It just yeah. from the side of the highway. <laughs> you can just see. You can just see them. And Are the rainbow get, trout waving at you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's bad. So, yeah. but yeah, my family and I, we've decided to eat, eat our own dog food and, and uh, pick up steaks, leave Seattle. That was a tough decision. Yeah, yeah. But, Actually, let's backtrack before you yeah. go into this whole. I'm I'm gonna be a fly fisherman out in Pennsylvania. Is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, so you're in Seattle, right? Right. And you like your life, I'm assuming. Yes, start. I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and where for- does it go from here, Trip? <laughs> this is this is <laughs> yeah. your cue to fill me in and not have yeah, white so we- noise. <laughs> what happened? What happened? And Larry, Larry knows that I've been, you know, I've moved around a lot. I've lived all over yes. the Midwest and the, and the coasts. And uh, like since my, my wife and I met in South Dakota, then I went, was in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Indiana, Wisconsin, California, New Jersey, and Washington. We were in Washington for That's six it? years. That's all? Yeah. Well, now Pennsylvania. <laughs> Did uh, you know there? Have you been in Costa Rica? <laughs> I've not. I've There's not. still like oh, so. 30 more states you got to put a, a flag in. Oh, no, I've put flags in all those states. I just haven't lived in them. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and it, yeah, and there's a few others in there, but that's that's just the last 20 years. And, and we were there for six years. We were in Seattle. We loved it. It's the only home most of my, my kids mostly remember. My oldest has been on four cross-country moves at this point. But the, the, the pandemic really opened our eyes to how far away we were from family. So my, my 
my family, my, my brothers and my dad's side of the family, they're all uh, in and around Philadelphia. And being that remote and that removed um, was, was we, we had moved out to Seattle for my career. And now my career is unbounded by geography. Um, I have clients all over the place. I have clients on the East Coast. We manage the time shifting. I have clients in Australia. Like it is a, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not restricted to be in an office. And I can just go be in my garage with my fancy equipment uh, in Pennsylvania and probably with a nicer garage than I was in, in Seattle. So that's, that's, I think, the we're leaving a lot of friends and, and things that we love behind. Uh, but there's always airplanes we can always visit. Yeah, that's actually something I want to ask you. Um, I was listening to a, like a psychology podcast and the therapist was mentioning that moving um, consistently or constantly, which I know you haven't really done over the last six years, but it can really put a psychological toll on children and especially uh, how old are your kids, Trip? if you want to review. So my oldest, yeah, my oldest is 13 going on 25. Uh, and, uh, my, youngest, how many cell phones has he broken yet? <laughs> oh no, that's the youngest. Uh, okay. you, uh, yeah, no. He, uh, so, and the youngest is eight and the middle one's 11. Uh, and, uh, this has been tough for them, but the, I mean, did they have a lot of community or friends in Seattle? I imagine they did, uh, six years, especially for the eight year old. I mean, all of his life, he's, he's going to have to make new friends for the first time, really, it seems. Yeah. But they have cousins in Pennsylvania and that they always ask about. They have, they want to yeah. understand where they came from and mm. who they're connected to. And, and they have friends, but, you know, their school friends, like kids pick up and drop friendships a lot in their development. It's just part of a natural growing up. And the pandemic sort of artificially constrained that. They didn't see their That's friends right. for months on end. That's um, right. And we're watching their mental health and their their sense of safety and security like even there was no place for us to go for months and you could do that with family right and we had places to go so this wasn't an easy decision but it was the right decision and it felt like it's kind of hypocritical to say no i need to stay in seattle because that's where the tech scene is or that's where my work is but i've got this side podcast about remote work and how it's good for everyone else and i think the other thing too is like driving across countries reminded me of how amazing like like the country is like how much room there is for everybody how much there there could be yeah. to do you know and it and it's makes you wonder why all of that stuff is concentrated on the coasts exactly now that's a good point trip is that we are talking about the fact that most of the coastal cities are pretty crowded and dealing with a lot of housing issues Lack of housing in San Francisco, for example, cost of housing. The commute is a nightmare. I lived in the Bay Area for like 20 years, but I grew up in the Midwest. You're kind of driving through <laughs> through my old stomping grounds. And as you know, you can drive for like an hour and not see a home or not see another human being. So there's tons of open space, lots of just beautiful country that's not being utilized, that people aren't living in. And the reason is economic opportunity went to the cities. As we know, we talked about this in an earlier episode, the whole industrial revolution and people moving into the cities to work in the factories and the farms dying, which I've experienced with my family in Nebraska, a lot of farms dying out. 
And then the information age came. And so we started concentrating in other areas like Silicon Valley and Seattle. But now we've reached a point where with all the tools, why are we doing that? And the pandemic's kind of forced this issue. It's like, we have to work at home. And then the very next question is like, wait a second, if I'm working at home and I'm not going into an office and I'm not commuting to an office, why am I living here? If you want to, great. Nothing wrong with that. But if you don't, then why are you living in a place where you really don't want to be because you don't have to anymore? Yeah. And your, your sense of how much it costs to live, like Anna, Anna's, you know, sort of the veteran at like checking, checking our understanding of how, what it, how, how cheaply you can live in the world. But like, you know, I'm looking at just, we sold our house, like the, the appreciation on our house. I could buy a mansion here for just what my house is appreciated on, like here, <laughs> yes. here in Bozeman and, and fly fish every afternoon. Like it's great. Uh, but the, but uh-oh, the, uh-oh, trip might not go to Pennsylvania. Now his wife's going to say, where are you? He goes, well, let me tell you a long story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be a long story short because she's going to come over and kill him probably. Uh, she's got to find me first. I mean, I've been driving for about 14 hours today and it's, uh, uh, I got another seven to go. No, I actually, I've been, I left at 9am. I'll be de- there about midnight. So, yeah. um, and that's just, that's, that's just, I'm not even a third of the way through. It's more funny, coffee, like more coffee. How big the United States is, because that oh, to me huge. is yeah. just crazy. Like I think uh, in Singapore, you can run a marathon from border to border. I mean, technically it's an island, but like you know, border of the island to the border of the island in eight hours. I think it is like, uh, <laughs> and that's yeah. running on foot. You know what no, I mean? People don't realize, like even California. Like if you drive from the tip of Southern California to the northern end, it's like it's massive. California's huge. Because people will ask me, it's like, oh, do you know these people that live in this town? It's like, do you know how big California is? Well, and, and then when you look at the United States, I mean, holy cow, massive. I'm, I am, I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm in Montana right now, and I'm going the the long way across Montana. You know, the width, uh, and it is. I mean, I've been in Montana for hours now, and it's like I'm not even like I'm just a little bit along the way. I mean, it's it's going to be <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a long trip. Uh, well, you've kind of raised an important it. point. No, go ahead. No, I that that's it. I mean, it's I'm I'm I, I'm talking because I only have the dog to keep keep me company. Uh, yeah, you miss More human voices. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say you've kind of you've highlighted this issue uh, that some people talk about as geographic arbitrage, which is mm-hmm. is there a way for me to make a living? where my income is actually pretty good uh, from a tech company, for example, but I don't have to incur the cost of living where the tech company is. And we've talked about this before where some tech companies do a cost of living adjustment. There's a COLA episode that we've done where we go really deep on this, but you can start to do the math and look at it and say, how low could my cost of living be? And where could I live that I really enjoy the quality of life? And yet still have a job that's that's making me feel pretty comfortable with my financial standing. But now I'm really happy with where I live and I can have a pretty amazing life in a place like, oh, I don't know, Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast today where the woman said, oh, I made a conscious choice to leave New York to go to Puerto Rico because one of the reasons why was she knew she knew an entrepreneurial community in Puerto Rico. But in one of the bigger factors, I would assume, is the 
taxes because uh, corporate tax is only about 4%, as she mentioned in the podcast. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you're going to move, why even why even select the borders of the United States? I mean, if you have the ability, you yeah, could go point. to, for example, Georgia, the country where there is like zero corporate tax uh, from what I remember. I'm not 100% sure, but there's tons of other countries that have incredibly low tax or no tax because they want more entrepreneurial spirit. And you're kind of rewarded for that uh, if taxes are kind of your main driving factor, right? If you have other factors like just to be immersed in a different culture, um, the United States, you know, as vast as it is, is not the only um, solution. And if you're making a good salary, you can get really good uh, visas too. Um, I think Mexico has a, a six-month visa if you can prove that you have um, econ good economic standing. So, so these, are, wanna, these are things you can think about. Yeah. The thing I want to point out, though, is that, like, I mean, it's so American that we're, all we're talking about is, like, well, the cost of living and how much money and, like, that sort of thing. That's all good. But I think, like, to, to the earlier point is, like, it's the quality of life. It's the ability of, yeah. like, hey, you know, like, I'm driving driving across and, and you see these people and they've got boats in the driveway they've got hobbies they've got time to do things you know <laughs> hobbies like, imagine that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah my my hobby away from work is other work i do podcasting right so it's yeah that's story yeah. of my life too <laughs> uh i know i know how many businesses do we have i can't even count anymore oh yeah yeah, yeah. no that's a good point trip i i have friends um because i grew up in nebraska where the cost of living is super low and you know, I know they're not making fantastic money. They're doing okay. And they say that. They're like, oh, I'm just doing this. I'm only making this kind of money. And you go visit and they have like this six-bedroom home, five bathrooms, a ski boat, two jet skis, a snowmobile. <laughs> it's like and they're living on 10 acres. You're like, okay. Um, yeah, their quality of life and the fact that they have time for recreation and time with family, it's really important. And I think that was a point you raised earlier is that we become we become isolated from our families. And I know I did when I moved to California. I have no family here at all. And so we raised our kids without ever seeing their cousins, except maybe once a year, twice a year at the most. Um, and it's a different relationship and it's a lifetime relationship. And I have found that when the kids get together, that just the quality of interaction, knowing that you're related by blood, you're a relative, it changes things. And it's, it's really nice. And it's, it's good that you're giving your kids a chance to experience that. Yeah. It's kind of funny because from my perspective, I left my, uh, my cousins and my uncle, um, and my aunts pretty early in my life. And so family has not really been a critical centerpiece in our life, especially because we were so far away. It wasn't even like we could visit every year or two. So the kinds of family relationships I've developed have been friendships family that have been uh, closely bond over, you know, 10 years or so. Um, so and also both of my parents uh, are introverted. So and we have kind of relatively small family. It was just my sister and I. So it's not like seeing cousins really was a big deal. <laughs> Well, for both of them, you know, moving, moving to the Costa Rica jungle and homesteading is not exactly the signature extrovert move. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and Anna creates her own family. So she does things <laughs> in my like mind, going, going out for dinner with one friend and eating a, a six family <laughs> meal. 
and well, pretending yeah. pretending it's a family because yeah. they ate enough for an entire family. So. I, I mean, gluttony is a really great sin. I'll tell you that. Uh. Um, so I wanted to bring up another point that we were talking about earlier before we got started, which is there are some other benefits of having your employees or, or having you as your own experience being in different parts of the world and being in different parts, even of the country. Uh, when we talk about the United States, it's like the United States has very, very different cultures from coast to coast, North to South, very different cultures, but it creates this diversity of thinking and culture and perception and the way you approach problems and the way you think about solutions and products. You know, if I think about tech companies in particular, it's a completely different approach to diversity that I think is undervalued that uh-huh. having these perspectives of people in different parts of the world changes how you solve problems and what you think is valuable to a customer. And I think yeah. that's often overlooked. I think it's very siloed because Americans, I think, talk a lot about diversity and diversity and this and that. I mean, we had a, a fantastic um, podcast just released with Chris Lafayette about di- diversity, but it's still American diver- like American thinking. And sometimes it's very alienated because a lot of the issues that are aren't really real issues in the rest of the world. You know what I mean? Um, and that's a good point. And I think also, uh, we also think about different ethnic cultures and sometimes depending on where you are in the world, I would say, but let's talk in the United States specifically, it can seem very siloed based on, um, you know, what Chris, uh, Lafayette said in our, in our podcast interview. Um, I think, one of the ways we can increase diversity is actually by, through traveling, because instead of seeing the differences in race, you end up seeing, oh, yeah, that guy kind of reminds me a lot about my cousin and the mannerisms that they're talking. Or this person reminds me a lot about my f- other friend. And and so you kind of start con- connecting the dots a lot more effectively, I think, because you start seeing so many similarities in people that don't even look like you. And um, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I think I think the other thing too, because I want to push back on that just a little bit. Uh, I mean, one of my one of my new this is a book that changed the way I think about America and American history. It's called American Nation because it talks about these eleven distinct cultures in the United States. In the same way that, like, you go to Europe and you've got the French and you've got the Germans and you've got the Austrians, and it's funny because when you go to Europe, you can nudge a German and be like, "Austrians, am I right?" And they kind of laugh as much as Germans laugh, but they laugh more than the Austrians. Right. I mean, it's it's a, it's a very it's a very uh, it's a, hey, if we have listeners in Austria, you're, you're that I'm, so I'm glad to, I was about to say you're so glad we have zero listeners in Austria right now to write us angry little letters. We will. Ne- we will next episode. Yeah. yeah. But, no, but but it's it's a very I mean, I was in Austria last October. It was wonderful. Uh, but it is a very serious like you each country kind of has its own nuances and flavors but there's a there's a thing and the united states isn't any different like there are really really different cultures but the problem is is on the coasts you've had these monocultures i you know i i tell people i loved my time in seattle i have wonderful friends in seattle but seattle is one of the most bigoted places i've ever lived and i use bigoted in a precise Mm. term which is it's a like having ideas that are too far outside the very sort of left-leaning norm. If you're more of a centrist, you you kind of keep that to yourself. Uh, if you're if you're a conservative in certain parts of the country, 
you don't let your sort of liberal politics fly. Um, you know, in, yeah, but, that's but true. There's, it's the same in San Francisco. It's the same in Seattle. It's the same in New York. There is there is a there is an, an OK set of beliefs to have. And what develops is a monoculture where pe- you don't get the best thinking. You don't have people feeling safe to exchange ideas. Uh, well, that's that, what I mean. Like if you travel, you travel, you don't get pegged into those monocultures. Because I think having people that yeah. don't look like you are that are the key word here from different countries, not necessarily the United States, right. can have a great impact. Like one of my um, friends, she was from South Africa and has a lot of familiarity with dealing with the black population. Um, and so she went back to Florida at one point and she was talking to people or Louisiana, Louisiana, where the pop, the African-American population is quite large. And she was talking to them like how she would any other person. And they were looking at her like she had two heads, like two heads on her shoulders, because that's not, I guess, the way you talk to people there. Uh, she was kind of explaining how it was so weird that they were, she was a white lady talking to somebody of a different race and they were treating her weird for doing so. Yeah, I was going to say you've, you've raised an interesting point, um, which goes back to another episode we had about college. So there's been a thread and it's even become bigger in the last two weeks because (laughs) so colleges in the U S have reopened to some extent, they had virtual classes, but they had the kids in the dorms and the fraternities and sororities. And then within a week or two, they had such a huge outbreak of COVID that they closed down again. So they're going fully virtual and, and now people are re are bringing up again, the whole question of what's the value of a college education and Google just announced their certification program saying we're replacing college, take these courses for six months. You'll get a certification. You'll get a job with us. Who needs college? Right. Um, and I have two minds of this because I, I understand on the one hand, the cost of college has gotten out of reach for many people and the, the return on that investment has decreased considerably over the years. A lot of people with degrees that can't get jobs. So that's a huge problem. But I think swinging the pendulum entirely to the other side is saying, well, there's no value in college and unless it's a financial value, isn't true either. Because I would say that my experience of leaving a small farming town in Nebraska and going to college changed me. It exposed me to other cultures because the UNL is actually a fairly multicultural university. A lot of people come there. Some of my best friends were from Pakistan, Nigeria, and so forth that were sent there by their parents to get an education in a place they thought was safe. The reason they chose Nebraska is they said, I think it'll be safe. I'd rather have you there than in New York City or, so, or someplace on the coast. And so it changed me. And then as I moved into the tech industry, I ended up traveling globally a lot. And I lived in China. So I lived in Shanghai for almost four months. And got an apartment and was completely immersed in the culture and spent my evenings going out into the town and my weekends going out all over China as much as I could. And again, it changed me like your point Anna, of appreciating the culture and connecting with people on a very human level and saying, wow, we're all, we're all a lot more alike than we're different. You know, the things that we appreciate a good meal, time with our families, having fun, laughing about a joke, wanting to be successful in life, you know, wanting to take care of our parents these are all like so common among all of us that I think I get concerned that if we're going to shut down the whole college experience and people are going to live in their monoculture, their hometown in a little bubble, 
it may change things where we reduce diversity in the way we think and approach things. I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm not sure because a friend of mine, she's studying um, for, well, actually she finished, she graduated as a, a medical doctor, um, but she's still pursuing like specialized education or uh, for her field. And she's found study partners from all over the world, uh, you know, just, and she's studying with them. Um, they'll to memorize some of these very complex medical terms. I think, um, if anything, it could actually bring together a more diverse uh, perspective, especially study partners all over the world. It kind of have communities now where everybody can band together and study. Um, that might not have happened maybe in a small university or college, uh, mm, community college in Idaho or something. So, but, but no, so, that's a good point. So, again, I'm going to push back on that because I think, you know, when when we talk, can't you about, just be nice and agree, huh? I to- I'm this? told that we agree too much. <laughs> we're having a diversity of we, opinion today. We're having this a diversity good. of opinion, right? Yeah, uh, I'm triggered, Anna, that you can't. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, the the uh, the the thing is, is that we talk. So you have students that come from overseas. You know, they come from China. They come from you know Singapore and India and Europe, um, but these are a lot of the children of the elites in those countries, right? They are not necessarily the students that are coming from a diversity of class or diversity of income or diversity of like rural areas versus, and and we have that problem here in the United States uh, where when we talk about diversity and equity, we're talking about the most superficial aspect to it, which is skin color and sort of, you know, culture of origin, when we also have a class problem. It is, it's, and that's not to, to minimize the racism problem, but a lot of what we call systemic racism is actually more built around class. I'm just as likely to avoid somebody that I see, you know, a vagrant on the street or somebody, you know, like, like that sort of thing, like where people are looking at the other and how do you engage, engage people that come from that different kind of background, um, regardless of what, because I think that's the idea. That's, that's the value proposition of equality or the value proposition of diversity is that you bring in better ideas or you bring in ideas that challenge the main idea and make it better Mm -hmm. together. You know, that's, that's why I'm so excited about remote work. I mean, yes, of course I'm going to say that because it's our podcast, but I see an opportunity to bring economic opportunity to more people in every corner of the world and all over the country, people that normally would not have it. Cause I grew up in a town of a thousand people and that town for many years has been dying. Businesses have been shutting down. The young kids grow up, they go somewhere else to get work and they don't bring their income back to that community. And so the money vanishes from these communities. The roads fall into disrepair. The stores fall into disrepair. I I watched one of my hometowns completely disappear. I went back to see it with my kids and it was a ghost town. It was sad. It was a ghost town, windows broken, things completely gone because everybody moved up and moved away. And I think that could change with remote work where someone could say, I could have a good job and make a good living and stay in my community and provide that tax base back to my community so that we can have a great library, we can have a great hospital, we can have fantastic roads, we can have fast internet access so even more people could work here. 
I think remote work, if we embrace it, instead of fighting it, like so many companies are trying to do, but if we embrace it, we could actually start to spread the wealth across more of the world and give people more opportunity. Yeah, that's one of the things that you know, right now we're going we're going into probably one of the most toxic, contentious elections, which is really saying something in the last in the last century. Um, and a lot of I think the polarization in viewpoints, the thing that people are not talking about is income disparity. And we get to this point of haves and have nots and differences in viewpoints and baskets of deplorables and, uh, you know, uh, people sort of banning the police and taking over Seattle, like these polarized viewpoints where we put stereotypes on people. And part of it is because these groups never intermingle anymore. You never actually encounter people outside those bubbles. Um, and that's, that's something that if we embrace this idea of geographic diversity, you sprinkle out those ideas more. Uh, okay. And not, and not income, which is what Anna said, dropped off. Uh, so, so my, uh, uh, in, yeah. So I'm, it's I'm so funny how it. Larry yeah. is the one that drops off out of I this know, little sh- shadingle. No, I don't get it. it I'm in the jungles of Costa Rica. I and I've watched like five lot lizards three. go by me in the truck in the in the truck stop here like, while uh-oh. we're waiting for Larry like, to reconnect. Trip got mugged in the truck stop. Anna got attacked by a monkey a in the jungle or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like not sharing the bananas from her banana tree. Which no, the monkeys here literally, are literally has. Um, the monkeys here can be super like not caring about any sort of human. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to uh double slap a raccoon creature <laughs> in the face. As, as you do. As you do. If we ever get merch, gonna, that's the first t shirt. I had to double I was, slap a raccoon. I, I, like I well there was another word I wanted to use, but you know, I'm not trying to curse on oh, this. Oh, Anna. Anna. <laughs> we are a PG rated podcast. Yes. No, these guy these critters don't even care because they're so used to like and then the Costa Rican government actually complained. They were like, oh, um, because of lack of tourists, the wildlife is now starving. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's the yeah. way that should I've, be. I've heard like, that's true that's in India, too. Yeah. Crazy. Poor monkeys. It's not yeah. fair. Yeah. All right. Okay. So where were we? Uh, something about uh, diverse... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> distribution. Yes. Yeah. Basket, yeah. <laughs> Lot guys, lizards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, I was, I was monologuing as I'm watching okay. it. <laughs> you got me monologuing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, to 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 Trip's point, I mean, uh, and to Trip and Larry's point, um, definitely we see kind of a nice. Um, well, we hope to see a nice uh, spread of income. However, what does that mean for the local economies? Because, for example, the reason why so many people outsource to the Philippines for, rent, for one reason or another and can pay somebody $5, $10 an hour is because the Philippines economy, you know, a bag of rice doesn't cost more than a dollar, for example. So if we, if we spread out the wealth to these communities, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just pre- presenting a, a question. What happens oh, yeah. to the economies? Yeah. Um, it raises, I would imagine, the value of certain things, and it could also yeah. cause uh, hardship for a lot of people who well, aren't in uh, right. a sector that is um, remote 
like that has a remote capability because let's be real like doctors cannot be uh remote for the most part um you know waiters or um you know people in our agriculture so there's still somebody that has to go and pick the corn off the corn stem you know um these are things that cannot necessarily <laughs> be um distributed so what is the thoughts well, there? Yeah, on- I was going to say you can look at San Francisco as an early experiment, a microcosm of, of what happens if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've seen that where all the, the tech money came in and all the millionaires from, from Twitter and Facebook and so forth. And it pushed people out of the city that used to live there, like police officers and people that worked at hospitals and you know cab drivers and restaurant workers. It became too expensive. Um, and so there's this huge tension between, like Trip was saying, the people that have large amounts of wealth and people that are barely making a living, sharing the same space and trying to find housing and the cost of food and restaurants, everything goes up. So I think you're right. This isn't without risk. Um, I don't know if we can put the genie back in the bottle because it is going to happen. They are going to start hiring people in different parts of the world because A, it already started. When I was at eBay, Back in the early 2000s, we had engineering in China and India. You know, it's like, and it was really affordable then. Now it's less affordable because of what happens, right? It's like all this wealth comes in and the cost of living starts going up. And so it it is an issue. Um, I don't think that means we should continue to concentrate wealth in a few places, but I think we have to figure no, out I, how do we manage this change, right? Yeah. Well, and I don't think it's inevitable either because you look at different different places in the world have different attitudes. Not every place is American-style capitalism, right? I mean, you look at Europe, they're very, very restrictive or very far – they have far more regulation over the stuff you can put on store shelves, which is probably a good thing. Uh, I mean, know, they actively it, discourage employees to work on the weekends, for example. Right. Well, I mean, in France, it's illegal to work past 38 hours or whatever. Everybody does it uh, because it's also insanely expensive to live there. But, you know, the, 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 you look at places like China and, you know, uh, companies like WeChat and uh, TikTok, they, those were not imported. Those were local, you know, those are local companies that were developed yeah. in China that wouldn't have been possible 30 years ago. Now it is Chinese style capitalism, which is with an asterisk. And you know, you have government subsidizing and protecting markets that may come here as well, where we say, well, you can't offshore as many jobs as you'd like to, right? Because it, it needs to, you know, you're getting benefits here. That's a good point. That's a nice problem to have though. Like we need more companies to actually look at, more than just the bottom line the the quality if you look lo- the bean counters will take a great thing and make it mediocre it's time to maybe think a little bit bigger than just what your PL is on a quarterly basis so i was going to ask each of you what is your your one big takeaway from this what do you what do you think this means for our listeners and people that are trying to figure out what the next step is for themselves in their own careers and lives how about you anna I think it's reconsidering if you if you want to leave uh, the state that you're currently in, reconsider it. Does it have to be within the United States borders? Um, you know, are you if you're from fa- if you have family that m- are, if you come from an m- immigrant family, is it 
worthwhile coming back home and making and bringing that salary with you. Um, it doesn't have to be just the United States gets access to to these resources. I think, trip. yeah, I think you know you you asked me this question back when I was you were my coach, Larry, which was like what's a complete vision of the life you're going to live? Not just like what's in your career. Um, but what does, what does great look like? What's the life you want to live look like across all the different dimensions and counterbalance that. I think many of us in the United States, um, live to work, uh, where it, it becomes completely out of balance. You know, we take this perverse pride in that we work more than any other you know, we work more hours than any other workforce in the world, but we're less happy, right? And as, even though we earn a lot, we're less happy. Um, and part of that is like we f- we're afraid to lose the job because what might happen, but in order to let you, you tolerate this big loss in freedom, this loss of being able to follow a passion or have a hobby or spend more time with your kids, that's not necessary anymore. That's what this technology enables us to do. That's, but it's the mindset shift away from, you need to be here from nine to five and God help you if you come in at 10, right? When you're more productive, right? That, that's right. got to go. Yeah. I was going to say very, in a very similar fashion to what you were saying, Trip, is that if you've been thinking about what you wish your life was like, where, where you wish you were living, how you wish you were spending your time, time with family, being closer, maybe to extended family. When do you think that's going to happen? I mean, do you think that you're going to live forever? I mean, the longer you wait, the less of that life you're going to have. We've been given a strange gift with this pandemic and everybody making this scramble to to offer remote work and even to require remote work. And we can take advantage of this to say, I now have a chance to think about where I really want to be. And if you have that flexibility, if you have that flexibility. And so I would say, if not now, when, when are you going to do this? So thank you all for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, we'd love to hear from you. You can uh, leave us a rating review. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to contact us and learn more about the brave new workforce, where can they find that? Anna? We have the brave, um, TheBraveWorkforce.com and BraveNewCompanies.com. You can also email me at Anna at TheBraveWorkforce.com. And I'm starting to regret the Pennsylvania thing, I have to say. I think I went a little too far east. Too many awesome <laughs> trout rivers I'm, I'm driving by just watching. Like, I know. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I've lived Costa Rica. In this- Costa Rica, man. We got monkeys that are in need of your American diet. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll settle. Yeah. I'll settle for a big rainbow drought. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's more my speed. So. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and appreciate the 90 mile an hour speed limit while you got it. So technically it's keep putting, just putting your foot on the gas because you're not walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's True. combination. It's yes. breaking down. Yes. It's all breaking down. It's, it's breaking down. Yeah. <laughs> It's breaking down. <laughs>